opportunities to service this. Um, I had a cold some time ago. I think I gave it to my wife, and now I got it back again. So just say it's better to give than to receive. <laughs> but looking at Psalm 139, uh, 13 through 18, and reading in Jesus' name. For thou didst weave... For thou didst form my inward parts. Thou didst weave me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are thy works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from thee when I was made in secret, and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Thine eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in thy book they were all written, the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. How precious also are thy thoughts to me, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our Maker and our Redeemer. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. About three Sundays ago, I began looking at this psalm, and I said when we started that there are actually four questions we can ask ourselves. And, and so the first question, if you recall, was, how well does God know me? We see in verses 1 through 6, that we discover that God knows us thoroughly and completely. <clears throat> Those verses tell us that God knows our private, quiet moments just as well as he knows our public and active times. He not only knows our thoughts and our words, but he even knows them before they are lodged in our brain and even expressed from our mouth. God knows everything about everyone and every moment of every day. <clears throat> God is omniscient. He is all-knowing. The second question was, how close is God to me? Verses 7 through 12. Here we discover in these verses that the God who, is, who knows us is always near us. No place we may travel regardless of the speed of our vehicle causes us to be lost from his sight or causes us to be distant from him. I don't care if you're driving... 150 miles an hour down the highway. I hope you don't. But we're not lost from God's sight. <clears throat> not even darkness separates us from God. And that's I think, is amazing. It says in verse 12, um, darkness and light are alike to thee. Nothing could begin to separate us from, our, from, from us, or for that matter, make God nearer to us, both are impossible. God is everywhere present. And now we come today to our third question. Next Sunday we'll look at the fourth question. In the verses we just read, we can ask ourselves the question, how carefully has God made me? How carefully has God made us? You know, from time to time, I'm sure you've, uh, maybe you've said it or you've heard someone say, <clears throat> my parents didn't plan me. Have you ever heard that? My parents didn't plan me. I was an accident no one expected. 
People use this as we use this as an excuse for not accepting more responsibility in life, claiming that they are accidents who came into the world by mistake and were not really supposed to be here. Well, I want to tell you today that even though we may have been a surprise to our parents, we were not a surprise to God. The Bible teaches that long before you and I were ever conceived in our mother's womb, God already knew us. He desires that all be saved, too, and that we would be children of God. That is God's ultimate desire. God knew us before the foundations of the earth. David says that of all things God created, I think one of the great miracles, I'm not going to say it's the greatest miracle, but one of the great miracles is human birth, human life. Consider how carefully God has made you. Only a God who knows us before the foundation of the world and is near us could be so intimately involved in making each one of us. So first of all, we notice in verses 13 through 16, God made us wonderfully. God made us wonderfully. The previous verses speak of of hidden or remote places as being well known to God and under, under the perpetual surveillance of God. But look at verse 13. Verse 13 even goes further. It transports us into the very womb of the mother, a place of intimacy and darkness. In verse 13, For thou, God, didst form my inward parts. Thou didst weave me in my mother's womb. For thou didst form me. I like that because today a lot of people think we're just a product of chance. We evolved. No, here it clearly says God formed us. God formed you. Thou didst form. And the idea is that it is God alone and no other who forms this miracle in the womb. The word form is a verb. And the Hebrew word often carries the idea of originate. God originates our inward parts. Those two words, inward parts, literally means kidneys. In fact, some of your Bibles might have the word kidney. In my Bible, it's in the margin that it's literally kidneys. You see, in ancient times, the kidneys were symbolic of all of our vital organs, the kidney, the heart, the lungs, the liver, etc., And verse 13 goes on to say that God did weave me together in the womb. I love that term, weave. We get a lot of people in our, a lot of ladies in our church that did knitting. They would weave stuff together. And and this verb, weave, suggests the idea of, of knitting together like an interwoven mass or thicket. God is involved in placing all the organs and the various parts of our body together into such a well-knitted fashion, it forms a veritable thicket of muscles, tendons, bones, blood, veins, and arteries. Now, what should be our response? Look at verse 14. 
I will give thanks to thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are thy works, and my soul knows it very well. Sometimes we're not so thankful the way we're made. Sometimes people want a smaller nose. (laughs) My wife wishes she was taller. It's not going to change, dear. (laughs) Some people want to be shorter. But that's the way God made us. And we should be thankful to God for how he has made us. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That should be one of our responses. And the word fearfully, I don't know when you have pondered that, for I am fearfully made. It it means I am shuddering with astonishment. I am trembling with awe. Isn't it true? I don't know about you. I'll direct this to the husbands here. If you have children, isn't it true that in the presence of birth we marvel? I mean, I was present. um, I, I was not literally present with, a couple of our children didn't make it there in time. But I saw the birth of our four children, and I had tears in my eyes because I thought, what a miracle this is. The miracle of birth. And how God is, has shaped and woven and interwoven that, that child within the womb. And we marvel, marvel. God formed us as he wants us to be. And we must accept his will no matter how we feel about our genetic structure, our looks, or our abilities. We should be thankful to God. I don't think I'm biased when I say I I believe our grandchildren are the cutest in all the world. (laughs) I'm sure you probably say that about your grandchildren and children. But when you look at your children and your grandchildren... If you think the outside is remarkable, just think about the inside. Think what God has done to create this life. Talk about wonderful. Verse 15. My frame was not hidden from thee when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. We sometimes refer to our bodily shape as our frame. The Hebrew term here means the bony structure, or the skeleton. In other words, God God formed our arms and our hands and our fingers and our legs and our feet and our toes. Long before we were conceived, God already knew knew each of us and he could see us from, uh, he could see us being conceived and formed and born into this world. God saw that long before we were ever conceived. Our skeletons were not hidden from God when they were made in secret. Now we have the marvels of ultrasound now, so we can actually see pictures inside the womb. But before that, it was a mystery how all this takes place, what God was doing. This secret place in the depths of the earth, this secret place, this protected place, is the mother's womb. The Hebrew word translated skillfully wrought literally means variegated. It's like a multicolored piece of cloth. Moses used the same Hebrew term in Exodus when he referred to the making of the curtains in the ancient temple, or the tabernacle, excuse me. 
The idea is similar to an embroidered piece of tapestry. The picture must include the concept of our of our veins and our arteries embroidered like variegated threads within the body. God is that involved in the making of our bodies. A pastor was talking to a young man who was studying to be a surgeon. And he commented on the beautiful color scheme God has placed within our inner bodies. He stated that there is a definite color in our various organs, that the veins and the arteries almost make an inner network appear, and he used the word variegated in color. Interesting, isn't it? That's exactly what David says here in Psalm 139. And then verse 16, Thy eyes have seen my unformed substance. The unformed substance, the Hebrew verb from which this descriptive statement is taken from, means to fold together, to wrap up. In its noun form, it appears only here in the Old Testament. And it means embryo. Embryo. In other words, David is saying that in my very first seconds and minutes and hours and days of life after conception, when I was still wrapped up in embryonic form, God was watching over me. He was never absent. He was never unconcerned. It is impossible, I believe, to read these verses today and deny that an unborn fetus is a living human being from the moment of conception. God is at work in the mother's womb whether you want to believe it or not. Human life is God's creation. I pray for my children and my grandchildren every day. I hope you do. And I pray that they always, one of my prayers is that they will keep growing in their faith and that they would walk faithfully with the Lord all the days of their life. That is one of my prayers. I hope you pray that. Because, well, we don't know how many days we have, do we? Now, the next part of this in this psalm is that God determines our days. Verse 16. Thine eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in thy book they were all written, the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. You see, this verse addresses life after birth. See, not only does God concern himself with us between conception and birth, but he also sets his attention upon us between birth and death. God marks out our days, and he ordains them even before we are born. When as yet, there was not one of them, David says. Because God made you for a reason, he also decided when you would be born and how long you would live. Have you ever said to yourself, I wish I could have been born in that period? <laughs> well, you weren't. 
God knew exactly when you would be born and how long you would live. Some people have said to me, Pastor, I wish I knew, I wish God would reveal how long I will live. I don't think that would be a good thing. (laughs) Because if people knew, then would they start living foolishly? God has not revealed that to us, but it's all in his hands. God has made you for a reason. Psalm 31, verse 15, My times are in God's hands. God planned the days of your life in advance, choosing the exact time of your birth and the exact time of your death. God also planned when you would be born, but also where you would be born and where you would live for his purpose. God left no detail to chance. He planned it all for his purpose. Paul said in Colossians 1.16, all things were created by Christ and for him. Now while there are a lot of, you know, I used to, when I was growing up, I used to hear someone say, so-and-so has an illegitimate child. I I don't like that. I think there's a lot of illegitimate parents, but not illegitimate children. Because if that child was born out of wedlock, it wasn't the child's fault. It was the parents. Illegitimate parents. You see, many children are unplanned by their parents, but they are not unplanned by God. God's purpose took into account human error and sin. And God's motive for creating you was his love. He loved you. He created you for a purpose, a godly purpose. There is one true God who made you for a reason, and your life has profound meaning. And we discover that meaning and purpose only when we make God the reference point of our lives through faith in his Son, Jesus Christ. We are brought into a right relationship with God, and then we begin to see life in a different way. We begin to see life as a gift from God. Did you know that every year, worldwide, there are about at least 55 million unborn children aborted? 55 million. It should bring us to tears that these children whom God has created, people have taken it into their hands to play God. No, this child's an inconvenience. I, I have a career ahead of me. I can't be burdened down with a child. And for doctors to say they care about the women, most of them that are doing abortions, it is simply a money-making industry billion-dollar industry. You see, these verses today in Psalm 139 are an amazing statement about conception, growth, and birth. And when a baby is aborted, what really happens? Well, first of all, a miracle is interrupted. The miracle of birth. 
You see, the world has cheapened sex and conception and birth to the point that it treats pregnancy as a, as a nuisance, inconvenience, not a miracle. They've turned the womb that's to be a protected area, they've changed it into a tomb for death. Secondly, <clears throat> a real person is murdered. If you went to hear Nancy Percy, I think it's Percy or Piercy, uh, that came to our Bible school to speak, one of her books is called Love Thy Body. And there she said how <clears throat> today they're trying to take the terms that they'll say that unborn child in the womb is a human being, but but it, he or she is not a person yet. And therefore it's okay to abort because they're not a person yet. That's a bunch of baloney. That unborn child is a person, a real person. Today medical science calls a fetus a POC, a product of conception, a mass of tissues or a collection of cells, but God calls it a human being. And we better be careful how we treat that child. And then also, what happens in abortion, a divine law is broken. Dr. Gleason Archer commented in Exodus 21, 22 through 25. He says that if a fight occurred and resulted in a baby being born dead, then the assailant had to pay with his life. God protected the unborn by his law. But today, it's been made legal. Now I say to people, just because it's legal doesn't mean it's morally right. We are not to play God. We must take a strong stand to protect all of life from conception to the end of life. I've been told when I was young, <clears throat> even way back to when Roe versus Wade was passed, that how could that ever be passed? I was told that by many, they said <clears throat> the church was silent. I think it's high time that we are not silent we need to be one we need to be a church that speaks up for life we need to stand for life we need to pray for life we need to pray for those who are in these positions of power in our country that their hearts would be changed that they would come to know Jesus Christ that they would see that all of life is precious because there are states today that have also legalized euthanasia the killing of the of the elderly and they want to call it mercy killing. It makes it sound better, doesn't it? But it's killing the elderly. So they're killing the unborn through abortion. They, they, you know, the partial birth abortion really was infanticide. And then euthanasia. It's, it's barbaric what is happening. And we also need to vote people into office that are pro-life. See what they stand for on these moral issues. <clears throat> but as Christians, we need to take a strong stand. 
when I first came to Stanley, I'd been there 33 years, the very first week I was there, called to be a pastor, I went into a bank to open up a bank account, and the head of that bank pulled me aside and said, I'd like to talk to you. So he took me into the break room, and there were two other ladies that worked at the till, and the question was that he asked me was, what's your view on abortion? That was the first question I was ever asked in Stanley, North Dakota. And I said, it's murder. Oh, but, but, but wait a minute now. And I know these two ladies here learned later that they also went to a liberal church where they accept it. Oh, well, what about rape or incest? I said, we still leave that in God's hands. Abortion is murder. Well, the conversation didn't last very long. <laughs> He got my answer. He, he <laughs> directed me out of that room. But you know, friend, we need to speak up. You know, our country is guilty of, of shedding innocent blood. And look in the Old Testament, what God did to his own people when they, when they brought their sons and daughters and they sacrificed them to the false god of Molech. How that angered God, how the wrath of God came against them. Do we think in America that we can, that we won't be under judgment if we don't seek all we can to pray and maybe even to go to the abortion clinics to pray, to seek to talk to women that are coming there? That's all, there's other alternatives. Dear friend, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And we ought to bow in reverence before God and worship Him because each individual child is a part of His handiwork. And our next response should be confidence. We can trust God because He made us as we are. Instead of complaining about what we're not, we can gratefully accept what God, from God what we are. And we should response, respond with obedience. The believer can take what God has given us and use it for his glory. And you see, friend, to leave God out of your life is simply to exist. It's not really to live. True life begins when Jesus saves your soul and cleanses you from sin. I can tell you clearly, friend, the day I became saved, that's when I began to really live. (laughs) To live for Him. But while you're here on earth, living out the days that God has ordained for you, because every one of us, our days have been ordained by God. How many days you have left on this earth? I don't know. Only God knows that. But while we are here on this earth, God wants you to fulfill all that he has built into your life for his glory. One day a little girl, she had heard about abortion and she said, Mommy, what is is abortion? And the mother explained to her that there are doctors who are killing babies inside the womb. And this little girl with tears running down her eyes 
said, Mommy, why would they ever do that? And why are we doing it? A sin against God. A sin. Something that He has created. There are so many lives being ended because of various reasons. But we need to pray. We need to pray that laws would be changed, that hearts would be changed, that we would have a mighty voice as we're called to be salt and light in this world of ours. Let's pray. Oh God, everyone here today, everyone in this world that we live in, Lord, everyone has been fearfully and wonderfully made. Lord Jesus, we acknowledge that even when there are birth defects, we know it's because of the fall of man. If it wasn't for the fall of man, every person would be perfect. But yet at the same time, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. I think, Lord, of a doctor who came to faith in God because as he studied, he said, when I examined the human body and how intricate it is, he said, I could never believe that it happened by chance. But there, there was an intelligent designer who created this life. Lord, forgive us when we've been silent. Lord, forgive the sins of our country when we have legalized abortion. And Lord, even though it's illegal, we know that according to your word, it's morally wrong. It is a sin. And Lord, thank you that there is forgiveness when we truly repent. Lord, I ask that you would have mercy upon our country. Lord Jesus, I pray that hearts would be changed. I pray that those in high positions of power, Lord, your children that are in those positions, give them a mighty voice. May they speak for life. And for those, Lord, who just have cheapened life, I pray, dear God, that you would change their hearts. Save them, Lord Jesus, that their eyes might be open to see that all of life, from the beginning of conception all the way to old age, is a gift from you. Lord, help us to be that voice each day. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.